Luka Doncic, which I think Damn you it. got Luka as well. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. Right. We, didn't, we didn't compare notes. I mean, Jordan, they're going to be riding that scooter together. <laughs> Fucking Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Rogue Bogues, the basketball podcast, all your news on all things NBA and NBL, and the number one ranked Australian-based basketball show pro, so I think I'm carrying that side of things. But uh, Who's the competition, Bogues? Is there a competition for that? Probably not, but that, that's beside the point. Okay. No, there's a few basketball what shows. That, no, actually, there's, there's a fair few Australian-based basketball shows. Um, I stand corrected. There is a fair few out there. I know Chris Anstey does one. I know a few other people do some. I know there's some sports betting agencies that do some, but we are number one Australian base, so good thing. Just started from my from my basement, from pro's basement, sorry, in my garage, and we're doing good things. Pro. And by the way, Mystic Mike, welcome to the show. Bogues, been a great, it's been a great week, man. Been a great week. They love the great bold week. dome rubbing. That was a big hit with social media. Um, even Jock. Oh, I, I did. Lawndale even commented even on it. So you got Lawndale. Fuck Lawndale. What the yeah. fuck does he got to do? <laughs> Shaved his head. He looks like you, actually. Dude, he looks... He looks like he lost a fucking bet. Like mine was done because I have to. He doesn't have to do it. He, you know, that mullet to that fucking dome he's got. I, I think I don't he know, watched man. the Beckham documentary when Beckham shaved his head. So we were chatting about the Beckham documentary, and then a week later he shaved his head. So maybe maybe he was peer pressured onto onto that. But let's let's get into it. Got a lot to get through. We'll go through the contract extensions in a second. But uh, no real big news out of this week. Uh, the biggest news was Adrian Griffin and Terry Stotts getting into it pro and uh starts basically walking away uh we're both work with terry i work with him my rookie year and second year you've worked with him before you know him pretty mild-mannered guy like not really confrontational um he lock up every now and then but he's more of a you know mellow spoken coach you ever ever rarely seen lose his temper adrian griffin was kind of the same when i played with him um one season in milwaukee he was our veteran with scott skiles really soft-spoken kind of so to see these two guys go at it was 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 very interesting. Uh, I texted you about it. You have a bit more of a background with the athletic article that came out, and feel free to relay what went down. Well, from what I read, and again, if you don't know, if you're not there, you, you can only go from what you read and, and sources and things like that. So just reading from the athletic, it said that um, everything was sort of good, and then they had this shoot-around where after the shoot-around – Griffin wanted to huddle up the coaches and Stotts wanted to go through the offense with a group of players. And he went to like, walk, he, he sort of walked opposite direction of the huddle, this huddle that the coaches were having. And Griffin like called him over and he sort of hushed, you know, he sort of, I don't know if he waved him off or whatever, just wanted to do his thing. And, you know, then Griffin sort of, you know, said it a little bit more intently that, Hey, you know, huddle, what have you. And and that was really it. And they had some type of a, you know, an animated talk at, at some point. And yeah, he just abruptly left. So that's sort of what the athletics said. Didn't say anything that like it came to blows or it was going that way the whole time. Uh, there was no bad blood in, in there. Just, you know, but what, what Griffin said when asked about it, he was like, well, ask Terry, like he gave him the NBA, like, Oh, everything's great. He's a great guy. You know, he went down there, but then he was like, well, you're going to have to ask Terry if you want to know why he left. So obviously there was something. It wasn't just like, you know, oh, I'm leaving. There, there, there has to be something. And 
Yeah, I mean, at least that's what the story said. Was, was I didn't follow the hiring. Was this was Terry Stott's organizational hiring? I think they wanted somebody on his staff because besides Joe Prunty, they don't really have a guy that's um, that's a really experienced coach, you know, on the staff. So that that's really been, you know, either in the first chair or second in command. So I think they just wanted a veteran leader to help Griffin, and you know. He's probably the, he was probably the best one out there, you know, for sure. Yeah, so my, and, um, my Mystic Mike Pro is that uh, exactly that. He's, he, he wasn't hired by Adrian Griffin. Uh, we've seen these circumstances before. I saw this with Mark Jackson and Michael Malone. Uh, Mark Jackson came out of the commentary booth. The organization said, you've never coached. We're going to get you the best assistant out there. Mark Jackson felt like, if I don't do well, this guy's going to knife me and take my job, and the organization's backing him. This smells a little bit like that. It smells a little bit that Milwaukee were like, look, we're hiring Adrian Griffin. He's never had coached before. We're taking a risk and a punt. We need some security or insurance. We have this guy who's been an NBA coach now for a long, long time. He's been an assistant. He's been all around the league. He's been in the NBA for 30, 40, you know, 30 years now, probably, roughly. Um, and we bring him in, and if, if shit hits the fan with Griffin, we've got a great replacement just sitting there. Head coaches that – don't like that necessarily because they feel like this is not my hire. This is clearly an organizational hire. If we, for instance, start 10 and 10 or 8 and 12, is he going to have my back because I didn't hire him or is he going to be running to the organization saying he's doing X, Y, Z wrong and then I'm fired by all-star break? That's what I think is going on with this and I think there's a bit. there was probably a bit of tension from Griffin's side on that. Terry, on the flip side, was a head coach the last, what, 10 years, eight years, 10 years in, in Portland. He's used to running the show. So now he's in an adjustment period. So I think those two have just clashed based on that. And I think that's why it's gone the direction it has. That would be my prediction, bro. Yeah. I mean, everything you said is is spot on as far as like, I bet the organization strongly recommended, you know, that you hire Terry, you know, in that position. And I've been around starts at the GERD camp in the summer, you know, um, in Vegas and summer league. He's been around. Uh, our guys loved him in Dallas. Um, I never worked with him officially when I was in Dallas, but he was always around. He was always a good guy. He was, I really like him and respect him as a coach. I, if I had a guess, Bogues, I would probably say it's more on the second thing that you said. I think that, I think it's really hard for a coach that's been a head coach for a long time. Not the coaches like um like if Frank Vogel or Jason Kidd that were coaches for a few years and then got fired and then got hired as assistants. I, I think that that would be easier to sort of do. I don't think Vogel ever did that, but you know, but he had short stints as head coaches. I but but like a Jason Kidd when he went back to be an assistant. I think guys that have been head coaches for just a little bit, I think that it's an, a much easier transition than getting, you know, getting fired, then becoming an assistant to sort of work back up rather than a guy that's had a lot of success, has been a head coach. I think, I think Terry was a head coach probably 14 or 15 years total with the uh, Bucks, Atlanta and, yep. um, in Portland. So I think when you then back into that second seat and you're not in charge, I think that it's, in my opinion, it's hard. I haven't heard it. I, I have no intel on the situation, but 
but I, I'm just trying to have, use logic with it. I think it's really tough and, you know, to try to go back to that and maybe they're doing some things, you know, that he didn't like, or he just, you know, you were in charge so long, you're just, in, you know, used to getting your way most of the time with that stuff. And I think also, you know, you've never coached, but you, you've had these days, I've, I've had them as a coach where you're just not feeling it that day. And somebody said something, especially somebody that's above you says something that's sort of like, you know, sound, even if it's not intent to be that way, sounds like embarrassing or condescending. And you're like, I'm not fucking dealing with this shit today. And just said, fuck it. I'm out. Like he might have probably, he probably had feelings before that, that were like, all right, one foot in, one foot out. It probably got to that. Something must have sort of got him to that point. And then that probably just put him over the edge. I know when you try to get something done and you just want to get it done, he probably thought a huddle after practice wasn't all that important. Just guessing, of course. And then, you know, then when they fucking second and third, hey, come over to the huddle. And he's trying to get the offense deal done and probably just struggling trying to, you know, get back to being an assistant. I just think it was like a perfect storm. And he was like, fuck it, I'm out. I've heard nothing but good things with Adrian. I'm, I'm best friends with his former agent when he was a player. I've been around Adrian, been around Terry. You know, I don't think either one of these guys are bad dudes or confrontational. I just think that, you know, maybe bad fit. I have no idea. I have no idea. Yeah, that's an interesting one. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. But uh, these things do happen, and I've seen this play out on a few different teams, and uh, Malone was was one that ended up getting pushed out of Golden State because of those very reasons, in my in my belief, and has ended up going on to much bigger and better things. Obviously, a championship winning coach, bringing the first one there to Denver, he'll be a legend in in Denver in that that organization and city forever. A uh, few injuries: Stephen Adams out for the season, pro. This was an interesting one. Um, he had he had an issue with his I think MCL or PCL in uh, in February or March, so. I don't know why they've waited so long. I think they did some PRP injections and some different rehab things, maybe thinking that it wasn't as bad as it was. They've rolled the dice and now he's had the surgery in October. So we'll be out for the season, six to nine months. Um, if he would have done that in February, you know, potentially he's back by, you know, January, February. So an interesting one considering that Clark, they're, you know, starting slash backup big, Tore his Achilles in March, so he's probably not back. You know, Achilles usually is a full twelve month ride. Um, isn't back to right before the playoffs, which is the worst possible time to come back. If you get some games under your belt, they're in some trouble there. I mean, they they're going to have to go super small um, at times with with, and they have the squad to do a small ball lineup. In my opinion, you can put um, Jaron Jackson at uh, at the five, but they're going to have to find something on the open market, bro. I don't I don't, I don't know what there is, but. They're two two big outs for them as far as trying to get, you know, especially getting through the West with with the likes of Jokic and whatnot um, floating around there. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. Adams is one of my favorite centers to watch. He's a great dude, great teammate, tough guy. If there was a tough man contest and like a battle royal of every player in the NBA, he might be the last guy standing. And it's it's unfortunate. I know he had some issues last year. Um, he only played forty two games, and you know he's had some health the last few years, like up and down. And you know, they probably just said, hey, let's do non-surgical, um, the injections, let's see if it works. And maybe they were, you know, maybe they, they, they had high hopes for it. And then it just, it shocked me when I read that this morning because he's such a good player, man. He's such a great player to watch. Just, 
you know, just the way he sort of conducts business. So, and for them, like you said, they're going to go really small. I would probably think that um, Dwight Howard and Dwayne Dedman will be two guys. Um, Wayne Gabriel just got cut by um, the Celtics today. So those are probably three names to to take a look at and, and to keep on because they don't really have it. I mean, Kenny Wa- Kenneth Lofton Jr. is like fucking 340 fucking pounds. And he, ain't, he ain't playing center. You know, uh, Aldama, so, Aldama is their next biggest guy who's 6'11, but he's 224, so he's very light. As far as a big, burly, yeah. strong guy, there's there's not a whole lot there. Um, you know, Tillman, Tillman Sr., 6'8, 245. Yeah, you, I think Dwight would be a great pickup for them. I really, yeah. I really do. I mean, a, a solid body, you know, really good lob threat, physical, could potentially come in and start, you know, be one of those lineups where you, you know, you start the the big lineup and you pull him out, you know, within, you know, maybe six minutes left in the first, and then go to a smaller lineup. But you've got some beef there. You got some fouls. You got some early room protection. He'd actually fit in quite well with his athleticism. There, I know he's getting older, but wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Deadman also a very good option. So they, they they'll, they'll have to go to the open market and find something quickly. Uh, and mm. even so, even beyond that, there's not a lot of depth. So you you know, if uh, Triple J. Jaron Jackson gets in foul trouble. What do you do then? You know, um, then your lineups are all out of whack. So they're 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 in some trouble, and uh, they um they will have to be firing all cylinders with that small ball lineup and and, and coaching wise to to get through. But uh, sucks for the for the Grizzlies. Moving on, what do you have for us? You got some stuff this week on some contract extensions, some some declines and opt ins, and some crazy numbers being being floated about. Yeah. So let's just talk about. I mean, maybe we'll, I'll just go through the list. There's three categories we're going we're gonna to talk about. We're going to talk about rookie extensions. We're going to talk about vet extensions over the summer, just five each. We're not going to go nuts with it. And then players that were eligible, mostly rookie extension guys from the class from a few years back. Um, and then we have one guy that wasn't on that list out of that five. So we're just going to go real quick, Bogues. You just tell me and we'll talk about it quickly. But Lamelo Ball, first one, five years, two hundred seventeen million dollars. What do you think about that? Oh no, they have to. Charlotte have to do it. They can't really do much else. I mean, they 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 struggle to keep stars. They're not going to get tier one free agents. Um, Lamelo is getting better and better, and he's he's a fun player to watch. So worst case, your team sucks. He'll sell some tickets still, even if your record is bad. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm not a huge Lamelo Ball fan, but he scores. He's got flair. He's the only guy that you could really sell there. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward is going to be on his way out. I think Terry Rogier will be on his way out. Um, I think that Brandon Miller, the guy they just drafted from Alabama, he's a very interesting player. Solid, Nick yeah. Smith, another draft pick that they drafted from Arkansas. I think he's going to be good. But I think what Lamelo looked twenty three and six last twenty three eight and six last year um, scores. You know, he's the only one guy right now that you could sort of hang your hat on about. All right, this is our guy going forward. And look, most of these extensions, most of these rookies are going to sign their rookie extension. You know, it's not going to be any tomfoolery with it, but uh, I think it was a, a no-brainer. Uh, the second one, Anthony Edwards, five years, again, $217 million roughly for Minnesota. What do you think about that? Oh, it's a no-brainer. Do we, uh, we don't even need to discuss that, do we? He's, he's, he's the future. We, we discussed it with the Minnesota, going into Minnesota a little bit last week. But yeah, he's he's a, he's a future of that franchise and- um, Towns is kind of one foot in, one foot out at the moment, but yeah, he's he's and, and he grew like he was really good. I think in in spurts for Team USA, uh, becoming that big shot maker for him when they needed a bucket, and 
that's just a no-brainer to me. Yeah, I mean, I have him as the 11th best player in the league. I mean, 25, 6, and f- uh, 4. Um, he's really good. He's really starting to mature. And, you know, yeah, no doubt it's a no-brainer. Max extension, um, he's the future of that organization. Towns is probably going to be on his way out soon. And he's a guy that you're going to build your team around. He could score. He could guard. He's got size. He's got strength. He's athletic. Um, I think he's growing up from his rookie year on. Um, only six four, you know, which is in, which is incredible because he looks six six. You know, he plays like he's six six, but he's listed as six four. But for what he could do, um, you know, I think he's a really good player. Um, Tyrese Halliburton, five years, two seventeen. What do you think about Tyrese? Oh, I like him. I mean, this was, he was part of the trade where one of the rare sack one and Indiana one trades. You know, you don't you see that too often, but uh, look. Funnily enough, this whole list as we're going through them, they're all small market teams. And I think it just shows yeah. these small market teams have to extend rookies and probably overpay at times. But I think it's a pretty much a fair deal when you look at what other guys in his in his range are getting and, and he's up there with 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 Ball and Edwards as far as where he's sitting. Um some would argue Edwards is is, is a tier above, but um I think he's very solid. You know, was he top two, top three in the league in assists? Three balls gotten much yeah, better. I uh, can can show scoring flashes at times, and um, I think they'll be they'll be better this season. They'll be they'll be a bit more competitive than they were last season, pending health. So I think this was also a good one. Yeah, I think it's a really good one. I mean, twenty ten and four. I mean, for a small market team, Indiana. I think he's thriving under Carlisle's offense, and you know he's really doing well for the team. And obviously, the number one option going forward, trying to build a team around him. And he's gotten a lot better. Um, he works out with a trainer, Drew Hanlon, a good friend of mine. And, you know, Drew always speaks highly of him. I think he's good. You know, he's a really good player. Um, I got him number six at point guards, 25th overall in the league. Um, all-star level talent, like you said, great trade for both teams with with Sabonis going to, you know, Sacramento and him going to Indiana. I think he's going to be really good. And it's a no-brainer for Indiana. Like you said, this is all great stuff. You know, with most, you know, these te- with these small market teams. Look again, the rookie extension. Everyone's going to sign. I think uh, Porzingis might be the only rookie that I've heard of in a while that didn't sign the extension with the team that he played for. Not counting Wiggins, who did never really played for the original draft team. He got traded before it even started. But you know, Porzingis is the only team player that I heard of first round pick that didn't sign the extension. It's the third con uh third contract is when, you know, by the time the third contract signed, that's when guys sort of move on although the only thing about being moved, you can't be um you can't be eligible for the Supermax extension. You gotta be all one team throughout. Uh, Desmond Bain Bogues. This this one surprised me a little bit with the number. Not necessarily him, you know, signing, but five years, one hundred and ninety-seven million dollars. What do you think about that? Yeah, you look at it and you jump. It jumps off the page, that's for sure. But I'm just looking up his numbers, and you know, they're up there with his other guys. His numbers are, are not horrible. He, he's one of the one of the most improved players from a couple of years ago, in my opinion. He was, you know, nine points, uh, three rebounds in 2021, and then jumped up to 18 last season. He was 21 and a half points a night with five rebounds and 4.4 assists, shooting 40 percent from three. So his numbers are a, below, a little bit below those those other three guys we mentioned, but they're in the realm. So and they're a little bit unders. And and once again, what what's Memphis going to do if they lose him? You know, they can't afford to bring in someone similar in free agency. He seems like a no nonsense type of guy. You don't really hear anything negative from him. Seems like he plays hard kind of a Kyle Lowry type body, you know, physical, strong, can guard, but 
the forty percent from three gets him over the line. And, and the seasons before that, he was even higher. You know, he was forty three percent in both those seasons before. So it wasn't an anomaly that he was shooting the ball that way. But um, I think I think a good one for Memphis. I think they're gonna they overpay by 10, 15, 20 million. Who can say? But they got they have to do that. It's all, all five of these teams that we mentioned. They got to do that to keep this kind of talent at home. Yeah, I mean that. That's what you got to do. It's a lot easier to re-sign and develop your rookie and re-sign onto a second contract versus moving somebody and then trying to acquire something else. You know, through using your, you know, using your salary cap and things. So it, it's a no-brainer. Um, you know, obviously Morant's their guy going forward. Jared and Jaron Jackson. Those are probably the sort of the bookends of you know, players you're building around and then, you know, guys like Desmond Bain and Marcus Smart now sort of fit in with the, you know, shooter, obviously with Bain. Um, and then Marcus Smart, the gritty defender that could handle the ball and, and be your, you know, your locker room leader as well. So they, they really need to stockpile. You know, not a lot of players want to go to Memphis in free agency. It just is what it is. It, it's it's not a knock on them. It's just what they're dealing with. So re-signing a guy and overpaying, you know, like I said, uh, before I remember asking a Celtics official um, way back when, before I even worked with the team, they signed Antoine Walker to a max extension. And at that point, the money wasn't even close to what it is now, but it was like $14 million a year for like five years or so. And I asked this official, I said, you know, I, that, that took me by surprise maxing him out, you know, because it was sort of a new thing. And he was like, look, how are we going to replace him? We're not a championship level team, but how are you going to replace a guy like that? You know, if you if you lose him in free agency and you do sign and trade or whatever, you're not going to get much back for him. And now you're not going to get Antoine Walker back in the draft. You're not you know you're not going to draft a guy like that right off the bat. If you are, you can, it's going to take some time to develop. You don't have the salary cap number to go and get a guy that that's worth what he is, especially if you could go over the cap to, to sign your, you know, re-sign your own free agent. So Desmond Bain, look, like you said, you know, he's averaging twenty-one and five. He's a marksman. Um, he he, he makes about three threes a game. They need they need to spread, stretch the floor and spread it out and have him shoot it. He's limited in some ways, but you know, he can really shoot. He's tough. He's you know, he's he's a gritty type of player. And they need him because, again, you lose him, what are you going to replace him with? You, you really can't do that in free agency. They don't have the money to do that. So I, I think it's, you know, with Morant and Jackson making the money they make, you know, I think it's going to be really hard to, to bring in a guy for 30, 35 million. You got to sign your guy. And I think Bain was a, a good deal. Um, and Vassell from San Antonio, um, five years. 135, Devin Vassell. So uh, five years, 135 million. Do you know much about him, Bogues? Do you watch uh, him much? A little bit, not not a whole lot, but he's a similar kind of trajectory from when he came to the league as, as Bain, um, numbers-wise. You know, averaged five and a half points his first season, jumped to 12.3 the season after with four rebounds and two assists. And then last season, he was 18 and a half points, you know, four rebounds, three and a half assists, and, sh- you know, shooting from three was what 38 almost 39 percent from three so yeah i mean when you look at what bain got this makes sense uh spurs is, once again probably need to pay overpay talent to try and stay there they're going to be good probably in two or three years i think with the young talent they're building around Wemby and whatnot and just how freakish Wemby is and you know things that he's done these last couple of preseason games so this one also you know i think all five of them i think were no-brainers when you really look at 
the small markets. Who else, like you said, who else are you going to get? Who are you going to get to replace it? Some of these small markets need to overpay on the rookie extension because they can't run the risk of them going to restricted free agency or even you know the year after taking the the, the, the one year and then going to um, unrestricted. You just don't want to take that risk. If you like your guy and you're a small market, the reality is you probably get overpaid. Some of these guys you get overpaid by 5, 10, 20 million in the life of their deal probably, but you have to do it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I really like Vassell. I think he's a very good player. I think he's a borderline second option on the team. Um, you know, I think he's a. I think for them, you know, obviously Victor's going to be a guy they eventually, you know, number one now. In reality, not number one yet, but like he'll get there. But Vassell is a perfect like number two, number three guy to have with a with a franchise player like a like a Webbenyana, right? And I, I think that having him, he's a shooter. He's got a decent size. He doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time to be effective. You got to pay somebody there. And, you know, Victor's going to be, you know, the best contract in the league right now. The guy's, you know, people are saying he's he's going to be Michael Jordan on steroids, right? And, you know, you can agree or disagree or what have you. But he's still under a rookie deal in how he changes the game and the things that he does. It's really good to have guys like Vassell that, that's getting the money that he does that can be steady, been an NBA player, knows what he's doing, can score, you know, can shoot the ball, you know, coachable kid. And, you know, you have other guys like Keldon Johnson, Trey Jones. So I think Keldon Johnson's sort of the odd man out on this. I, I think they should move Keldon. No offense to Keldon, but, you know, I just think that, like, Victor's a guy going forward. Devin's a very good piece to have. Uh, they just re-signed Zach Collins, actually, two years, $35 million. Um, he's a decent piece. But do you see what they're doing, folks? At least in the preseason. I don't know if they're going to do this during the year. But so Sochan is playing point guard for them. Mm. Trey Jones is coming off the bench. Sochan, who's like Dennis Rodman, he's running point. <laughs> it's pretty interesting to watch, you know, that positionless basketball stuff. It's funny with Pop, like, you know, trying to like stay old school, but now doing something a little different, like Donnie Nel- Don Nelson style, you know, playing the point forward, you know, as their point guard. So, but anyway, I, I, I like the Vassell deal. I think it's good. Like you said, they need guys to stay and sort of do what they're doing and, you know, Victor's going to attract some people to come, but having a guy that, you know, you developed, signing him for a good contract is pretty good for business. Go for it. Next one. All right. Uh, vet extensions, Bogues. We don't have to talk about it if you don't want to. We could say two words about it. It's a little different now. These are the vet guys. Uh, Jalen Brown, five years, 303. It's a lot of money, man. But, I mean, obviously, for what he brings to the table – uh, all NBA player and you know all star level. What do you think about the Jalen Brown extension? Well, makes him the highest paid player in the league, right? Doesn't yeah, it? yeah, right now, yeah, as of today. Um, I don't like it on that merit. I don't think he's worth the height. I don't think he's the best player in the league. But it's the cap situation. I don't know the intricacies of it, but it's not like for like, right? If he walks away, you can't then spend three hundred and three million on bringing someone in, and that's that's the issue with this. Um, so Boston kind of, to your Antoine Walker example, you kind of have to do it. But do I like him at, you know, what is that What is that per year, 60 million? Like, no, <laughs> I don't. But I think, you know, he, you know he's, a, he's an all-NBA player and he's an integral part of him, but I don't think he's the best player on their team. You know, uh, I don't. Yeah. So I don't love it from a numbers point of view, but I, I understand <laughs> the, me- the method of the, of the madness. Folks, 31 million this year, and then it kicks in, 52.4. 56.6. Oh, the end of this deal is going to be a nightmare. Yeah, I can already 60. tell. 60.7. 
don't have any sharp objects around you. 65 million in 2027-28. And the last one caps out. And I don't think there's any player option, but I could be mistaken. 69 million at the last year of the deal. Mm. Crazy. Yeah, I, I just I don't, mean, yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, and they're, they're investing a lot of him, him being, you know, the, the man for them for a long time. And I, I think, um, has he scratched his ceiling pro from the past couple of years? Do you see, do you see his game? You know, he does travel a lot, does, does struggles to dribble at times for an all NBA guy. Doesn't like going left, but he's very good at what he does. But do you yeah. see, do you see improvement for him? I don't see a huge improvement. He can't handle the ball better. I think I really do believe this Bogues and, and you and I could have a discussion about this, maybe on a later pod or even today. But I think after your rookie deal, you are who you are. Not a lot of players after year five make these huge jumps in their game. I think by the fifth year in the NBA, you are who you are. You can make subtle improvements, but no one really makes that huge jump. I think that he could like, like we talked about like Rudy Gobert having a big man coach that could, teach him one post move last week. Talked about Giannis getting a shooting coach instead of working with Olajuwon. Not that I care if he works with Olajuwon or not. But um, Jalen Brown needs to be able to handle the ball because he can guard people. Um, He's an okay shot maker. He shoots 34% from three. But he can really score. He's got good size. He's smart. But he really needs to be able to handle the ball better. And, you know, in today's game, you've got to be able to handle it. And I don't see him making a huge jump. But these guys are smart folks. Like, I remember Michael Conley um, it had, you know, it was open in free agency. It was like 2000 and I'm going to say like 15 or 16. And he was the highest paid player in NBA history. It's just how it goes. Like, you know, um, you know, you take timing. the salary cap. It's all about timing. Be out. Yeah, it's the timing of right it. And that's place, why right Giannis time. isn't signing it. Mm-hmm. So you're just waiting for this new CBA to kick in, the new TV money. Things go up and you get a percentage of the cap. So, yeah, that's that's a lot of money, but they need to do it because without them, they're not, they're not a championship contender in my opinion. They need them, and they can't really replace them easily. So, different. Mm-hmm. All right, Bogues. Um, Anthony Davis, three years, one eighty-seven. Yeah, no brainer. No, I mean, we don't have to get into this one. I don't think, but they they've obviously limited the years based on injury. I would assume, but yeah, no brainer. Um, integral yep. part of, I mean, of their success, just going to stay healthy. No, yeah, LeBron's getting older. They don't really have an asset right now that's going to take them past LeBron. And I don't even know when LeBron's going to play. You know, until he's you know, a, you know, a potato in a jar or something like he's, you know, he's going to play till he's eighty. But they need somebody going forward. Sign him. It's a no brainer. They can't replace him. Um, yeah, without question. Sabonis, four years, one seventy six in Sacramento. Probably another no brainer. But what do you think? Yeah, Sacramento, hard to bring. Premier free agents. I think he's been very. He was very good for them last season. Um, go back to the Halliburton, Sabonis trade that we spoke about earlier. They both won that deal, in my opinion. It was one of the rare ones where you see both come out winners. Both got production from their their main assets, and uh, yeah, I think he wants to be there. I think you know, getting someone a sack that doesn't mind being there. He's a Euro guy, obviously, so I don't think he's enamored by having to be in New York or LA or one of those cities or Miami, and he's happy there. And if you've got a happy, you know, he's probably a second tier star. That wants to stay there. I think you sign on the dotted line. No dramas with him neither. Stays out of trouble for the most part. Seems like a decent teammate. So I like it. Yeah, me too. I mean, look, I, I think it's there's only small windows that most of these teams have, you know, as far as like wh- where they can go. Last year, what they won, like what, 48 games, you know, um, you know, ended early in the playoffs, but they got a good group. 
you know, they got a good group. He's the anchor of it, you know, him and Fox. And and I think that just signing him, you know, it's an easy sign. He he fits in there. They they run through him. They treat him really well. 176 for four years is a no-brainer for him. DeJounte Murray, four years, 111 million from uh from Atlanta. Once Collins was gone, uh they made that trade, obviously, as well. I think it was was always always gonna happen that they'll they'll plan on keeping him long term. Um get to be seen whether it whether it all works with him and him and Trey playing together and you know uh, I guess you're playing Trey off the ball a little bit more and that balance they still need to figure out. They didn't they didn't figure it out quite as well as I, I thought last season. They were, they were decent. Um but Quinn, you know, he's got he's got his work cut out for him trying to get this squad together to try and win. So they kind of had to do it after the trade they made and and letting go of Collins. So it makes sense that they would extend yeah, let's just think about it, Bogues. The, the average salary of the NBA is about $10 million. You know, you're getting a guy essentially for $22, $23 million a year starting combo guard that could put up 20 and 5 and 6. I mean, why not, right? And, and look, they got, after making the trade, you know, they need somebody to go with young. They, they need some type of identity. You know, we talked about it with the Vassell, the Vassell signing, like, you know, not necessarily a bet. You know, he's not going to be your best player, but he's a guy that's going to put up numbers. He's going to need, you know, and they need other the assets they can get. You know, they lost Collins; they didn't really get anything back for him. So going forward, they need something, and they made that deal with San Antonio, giving up a lot of draft capital to San Antonio in the future to get, to grab him. So I think it's a no brainer to sign him. Yep. All right, folks. So here's five guys Josh that Hart. didn't get. I'm sorry. I apologize. Apologize. Oh, good. Josh Hart, four years, eighty million, New York. Uh, yeah, good. I think it was good for them, but you know, just his journey. I mean, look, he bounced around the league for 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 a little bit. Um, Lakers for two seasons, Pelicans for three, then Blazers. Trying to find a role. What is he? Is he a you know? Is he a two? Is he a three? Can you play him in small ball lineups? Um, very good rebounder for his size, and I think he was just one of the guys the Knicks had that just did whatever he had to do. He played hard, loose balls, rebounds. Um, I think his three three ball was decent with the Knicks. It was too fifty one point nine percent with the Knicks, which is crazy. Obviously, a small amount of games, twenty five games, but um, yeah, I, I like it. I think it's considering what you just said about other guys getting thirty forty million. You know, he's at twenty. It's a reasonable deal. He fits in well with what they're doing. Thieves would love him, I assume. That's why they've done it. And um, I think it's good to see him now. You know, get some familiarity with the team and hopefully stick long term. Yeah, and they need guys like that. Look, they've got they've got two guys, two and a half guys that need the ball in their hand at all times. Look, Brunson's their guy going forward, but you got Julius Randle as well that needs the ball. R.J. Barrett has the ball in his hands a lot. You need a guy that's going to a guard. He's going to make open shots that doesn't need the ball in his hands that could keep your spacing going. That that's a good leader. It's a high character guy. And to sign him, I mean, for twenty million dollars a year. Um, to me, it's a no-brainer having a guy like that in your locker room. You know, having a guy on the floor is tough that you could you could trust that could that could play that's tough enough to play with. You know, with Tibbs, you know, it, it's really important. And then, I mean, how many Villanova guys can you have a one fucking roster now? They got Brunson, they got Hart, they got Di uh, Vincenzo. So, I mean, they're they're trying to get the whole starting five from that national championship team <laughs> from a couple of years ago. But I think it's a good signing. It's a solid signing. Um, it's good cap management for the for the Knicks for sure. All right, last All right, folks. Five, five no yeah. extensions, right, bro? Yep. 
five guys that were eligible. I think the eligibility bogues is until the regular season starts. I could be wrong on that, but you have that for that rookie extension. Um, if you don't sign it, you'll become a restricted free agent at the end of the year, which they have the, the right to match any deal. Um, you just not sign long term. So I don't think it really affects what you're doing. I, um, because they can match any offer. They could offer you whatever next summer. So when free agency starts. So Tyrese Maxey, first guy on the list, folks. What do you think? He must be, must be waiting for the max, right? Um, that's yeah. what I think the breakdown's probably around. He's probably, he probably wants max and knows that probably other teams out there would potentially give it to him if he could go elsewhere. Uh, so that's what the holdout's about. Um, Look, with James leaving, you probably got to do it, right? I mean, I don't know what Philly's waiting for and from that aspect of things, but I think it right as of, as of their cap right now, you know, James is going to move on regardless, whether it's now or in the off season. Mm. Um, you you got to probably do it to keep your talent. So I I don't know what the what the rundown is of why it's thought out, but I would assume it's if it's, if they're nickel and diming, unless there's a huge difference in in where they're at. But he's you know when you look at those other names that are getting some of the money thrown about, um, I think it's pretty reasonable to extend him. Um, but, yeah, for anything otherwise. Yeah, I mean, their, their cap is at 175. They got a lot of heavy hitters in the top three of their salary right now. They get Embiid, they get Harris, they get Harden. You know, Embiid at 47, Harris at 39, Harden at 35. So, I mean, look, there's no real rush on this. I think it, it, it looks good to extend, every, you know, extend your guys when, you, when they're eligible to do so. But, I mean, you could still give them the money they want. You know, they're restricted, so it's not like you're going to lose them. It's not like they're going to become real, true free agents. Again, the, the the numbers are so low on rookies that you know said no to their rookie extension, or you know just said, "All right, the hell with it. I'm going to go." You know, I'm going to be restricted next year. I'll sign the qualifying offer and become unrestricted after that. No one does that, so he'll sign it. I think it's just you know for one reason or another they didn't sign it and. You know, maybe maybe they just want to hold off because it doesn't go on this year's books anyway. You know, Maxi makes four point three with his rookie deal um, this year, and then it'll kick in next year. So, um, I think those other deals are five years, two seventeen. Those rookie extensions, so that's probably what he'll sign. But I don't think I don't think they're gonna lose him. He's their best player going forward, besides Embiid. So, um, you know, Harris gets off the books. Um, so they're just gonna. I think they're just gonna wait on it. And they'll be fine. I don't think anything, um, anything big on that. All right, some some smaller names, Bogues. Josh Green, you know, obviously an Aussie. We'll talk about later um, in the in the pod, but he didn't get his rookie extension eligible for for the Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, okay, year last season he shot the ball much better. He was he was at just over forty percent from three, nine points a night, three rebounds, one point seven assists. Uh, still. Health has been an issue for him throughout. Um, at 39 games his rookie year, 67, and then 60, so probably needs to get a bit more healthy. He's had a couple of injuries that were just random um, to get a hand injury at one point or a wrist or something like that. So probably just needs to show some some health a little bit. Um, I guess Dallas's question is, is he our 3 and D guy that we want to commit to? You know, um, you're not signing a guy like that hoping they're going to do something with the ball because you got Kyrie and Luca. So are they are they confident that he can remain a 3 and D guy? And I remember he was he was not a great shooter coming out of college, so much so he shot 16% his, his rookie year, bumped that up to 36% his second year, and now he's 40%. Other, but, 
you know, only on 2.8 attempts a game, though, pro. So not a lot of attempts. Are they? Are the Mavs confident that he's a 7-8, three-point attempts a night, 3-and-D guy to extend for? That's what I think they're probably weighing up and probably arguably they have other guys that can fill his position currently on that roster that are kind of similar to him and bringing Dante Exum. Um, that's what I think they're thinking about. So... I think um, he has an opportunity to stay there, but I think they're going to they're going to roll the dice and see how this season goes. And if his improvement goes from nine and three to thirteen and four with forty percent three point shooting, I think he'll get his deal in the future. Yeah, Rick Carlisle always taught me this in the NBA: you either have leverage or you don't. And I don't think Josh Green right now has a lot of leverage. He is getting better now. They lost the the Mavericks lost their shooting coach Peter Patton to um, Chicago Bulls. He's a guy who's one of the best shooting coaches in the league next to Chip England. And I think that, you know, losing him, uh, you know, hopefully he could continue to go forward. You know, he's made some jumps in his game and that's great. I just think that, like you said, he's got to show that he's going to be healthy. He's going to be a regular everyday guy. I think it shows that their development team is doing a good job. I mean, you know, you know, having a guy that sort of had a little bit of a shaky start on this and now getting to the point where you're averaging like nine and three, you've had some good games under your belt, you're getting better, you're going to have the minutes. It'll be interesting, though, Bogues. I mean, they got Grant Williams and free agency, and then they got, a, you know, they got Hardy and Hardaway that will play, you know, at the two and the three position coming off the bench. Um, and Seth Curry is going to have to get some time, too. So he's got to show that he can consistently, you know, make shots. Be that athletic guy that c- continue to play hard every night, and then when somebody's got to take a night off, you know if Irving sits or Doncic sits, ha- you know being that guy that could you know go from nine points to sixteen, seventeen, make a couple of shots, play hard defensively, trust. And again, he's a restricted free agent, so if he gets you know he gets offers, they can match, and, and they'll do that. But you know, he just has to show that he's an everyday guy that could take his game to a little bit of another level. And that's the tough thing about the NBA, especially in these situations, man. You've got some decent young players and vets behind you that are going to play, you know, that are going to be right at your nails, nipping at your toes to try to get time on the floor, take your time. So you got to make the best of your situation. So it'll be interesting. Yep. Um, Cole Anthony Bogues, Orlando Magic. Yeah, I think this... I, if I'm the Magic, I probably wouldn't overpay to keep him. Um, he, he fell out of the starting rotation, obviously, um, with Fultz and, and Suggs, you know, te- playing the one and the two. So, and now you're bringing in Joe Ingles, who at times will play some point forward. Where does that leave Cole Anthony? Um, he still averaged 25.9. I think he was a good bench punch for him. He started the season before, started all 65 games out of 65 when they were, you know, obviously not very good and was 16.3. You know, not not great clips. Um, he, he shot forty percent that year when he averaged, or just under forty percent. Last season, he was a bit better uh, from the field at forty five percent and thirty six from three. Averaged thirteen a night. You know, with five five rebounds and uh, and four assists. Poor man's Trey Young, kind of. You know, something along those lines, like a like a kind of a scorer, um, undersized scorer. Can you get away with playing those guys bulk minutes? I can see why they're probably waiting to see. If he if he makes a, another step forward because his numbers have been you know really decent rookie year made a jump and then probably flatlined a little bit last season pro yeah I, I think that I wouldn't really be in a rush if I'm Orlando right now 
You know, you got to figure out what you're going to do with Fultz going forward. Is he going to be your guy? Is he not? You got Suggs there. I'm not a huge fan of Suggs, but he's a decent player. They drafted him very high a couple years ago. He had some health problems last year. The thing for me, the guy that's going forward is going to, in my opinion, be their starting point guard, who was one of the underrated guys in the draft. Even though he went pretty high, it was Anthony Black from Arkansas. He's a Dallas kid um, who's really, really good. A Sean Livingston, a Josh Giddy type player who's got really good size. He could really, really pass, and he's got good instincts to play. So I think he's going to be really good going forward. So you've got the guys like Fultz and Suggs and Black, Right now on your roster, and obviously you said Ingles, you know, playing a little, you know, point forward. But you got all these point guards going forward. What are you going to do? I mean, to me, with Anthony, in my opinion, you sign him to one of those like three years, forty-five, you know, fifteen million dollars a year. Be the backup, you know, guy who could start a little bit here and there. But I think Black going forward by. Not this all-star break, by next all-star break, in my opinion, he'll be a starting point guard. So again, no rush on Anthony. They can match any offer that's given to him. I don't think there's going to be a huge market for him. But I think one of those deals that you know Brunson um, was going to sign with Dallas before they didn't do it. Remember that like four mm-hmm. years, sixty or yeah, something yeah. like that. I could see, I could see Cole Anthony in a similar deal like that. Um, but yeah, you know, like I said, there's no really rush on it. All right, James Wiseman, Bogues. Yeah, I think they just wait and see how he develops. I mean, he's only been there, you know, a season, not even a season. He played 24 games last season for him. Started 22, he averaged 12.7 and eight rebounds. So not horrible. Um, Short sample size on a team that was towards the end of its season that were horrible. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I I don't know. We still don't know what he is or what, what, what is his one intangible asset that he brings. I mean, I think he's still trying to figure it out. I think he's still trying to figure out who he is as a player and, and all that kind of stuff. Doesn't really shoot the three ball. Um, but look, he's got athleticism. He's got length. He can he can get up and down the floor. He's just raw. He needs to play. He needs to play. Do Detroit have that? You know, they're still got to be patient for another year with him, I think, and they'll see how that plays out. And then, I, you know, he's, he's definitely not – I think I think even from his point of view, do you want to do your extension when your value is probably at your lowest right now? Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some value to be gained for him if he plays a little bit better. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, last year for the whole year, ten and six, and I think that it's a great opportunity for him because there's going to be minutes for him. And sometimes you just don't get an opportunity. You're a really high draft pick, but there's no opportunity for minutes. You're on a really good team. You know, Darko Milicic comes to mind. Not for the whole bus thing, but, you know, gets drafted number two to a team that just won a championship. And now you got, you got a veteran coach that doesn't like rookies and you don't play. And, you know, it's a learning curve just like it was with Darko. Same thing with Wiseman. I was never a Wiseman fan. I'm not a huge fan of him in college. I'm not a really fan of him in the NBA, but uh, you know, the NBA reality, there's minutes for them in Detroit. They're a young team. They've got a bunch of guys they drafted. They're trying to develop. Cunningham's coming off injury. Ivy needs to prove a lot, you know, and, and continue his development. They've already got Bogdanovich. They just drafted this kid, Osir Thompson, from the overtime elite. You know, so they've got those guys. Then you've got, like, Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart and Marvin Bagley. You've got guys at the big man position that's going to be battling for Wiseman minutes. I think it's good because they'll play him, and I think that, 
um, it's good for him also that they're not going to be good, that they're, they're going to be better, but not good. They're going to give him those minutes. There's going to be players behind him that are going to be competing. So I think it's a, it's a good deal for him. And like you said, you know, maybe there is a, a jump in his development that he could have. Um, you know, a lot of times with those really high draft picks, when they get cut off to really low, slow starts, it's really hard for them to get back on track. This is going to be one of the few players that will actually have a chance to do that. You know, it's going to be time and opportunity for him. So it'll be interesting. All right. So the last guy, Giannis, who didn't sign his extension, not a rookie extension or vet. Um, he's eligible for it. He did speak to the media about it a little bit, Bogues, but hasn't signed it yet. What, do you take anything from it or what do you what do you think? I think wait and see approach for him. I think the season they had last year was was definitely frustrating. Uh, they've they've brought in some reinforcements now, so the organizations on the front foot. We we kind of both predicted that they're gonna they have to do something, you know. Um Damien's getting older, but they had to make make a move to show, hey, we're serious. Look, they're number three. Milwaukee's number three in salary right now, as of today in the league. Um and you know, Giannis is still Contracted for next season at 48 million, 45 this year, 48 next year. Player option at 51, which I don't think the player option is going to come into effect. I think that's when the extension is going to happen. If or he's right. going to sign, or he's going to sign, he's unrestricted too, right? So he can just, he can just walk at that point. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's a money thing for him. Obviously, most people that follow the game would know it's not a money thing. I think it's a timing thing. And, and just I want to see what you're bringing around, around me. Do we have a chance to win in a year or two? You know, is Dan going to be a bit older? Is Middleton going to be still banged up from his injuries? Lopez isn't getting any younger. Where is my roster going to be left? What, what am I going to be left with? And I think it's a pretty good strategy for him to see whether he's actually going to bounce or not because, you know, look at look at some of these contracts. Lillard's, Lillard's basically contracted to 25, 26. Middleton is, is next season and then a player option, which you'll most likely opt into, I believe. He's getting older. And he's got two left. He's got two left as well. So, you know, he, he doesn't have to go. I just think he's extension eligible with it. He's got a player option 25, 26, Giannis, yeah. and he can go forward. So, you know, it's interesting. I think he just went, went, he's waiting to see where the, roster, where the roster goes. And I think it's a smart move for Giannis. Obviously, Milwaukee would sign him tomorrow if he, if he wanted to extend at, at what it, the max number that he can get. And he probably will make more money in that taking that risk. Now you have the risk of injury, you have the risk of this, you have the risk of that. But Giannis knows that you know if he if he waits out, that number is going to be you know considering what Jalen Brown got, that number is going to be a very very big number to stay. So I think that the holdout, the longer the better, and he'll at least have some freedom if if he doesn't feel like the organization is going in 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 an upward direction, and it potentially might not. You know they've got a lot of older guys on this team. That are playing valuable parts. I mean, um, how old is Middleton? I need to check that. Um, just check Trent. How old uh, Middleton yeah, is? Yeah, I got it right now, Bogues. Hold on. It's um, yeah, trying to check it. Middleton's thirty-one <clears throat> years old. Thirty-one. So yeah, he's probably got two to three at, at a high level, and then he's gonna start phasing off. Lillard, you know, thirty-four. Right? Is that right? Um, you got Lopez. You know, he's got to be mid thirties, mid to late thirties. Lillard, so. thirty-three. Um, Lopez, thirty-five. Exactly. You know, yeah. so they're they're they're, and they're core guys in your group. These are core guys. How are they going to be? Crowder's older as well. Whether he plays few minutes, who knows? But the, the those four guys are are your core guys. Um, obviously, Portis off the bench a bit younger, and Connaughton a bit younger. But uh, that's what that's what Giannis would be looking at. So um, no brainer for me. All right, let's get on to our Aussie watch. Um, our our Last season's Aussie Watch MVP, Josh Giddy, no-brainer. Um, see if someone can uh, take him off that perch. 
who knows, because he does put up numbers. But we'll start with Ben Simmons. We don't have to get too much into the nitty-gritty of what we've spoken about the last couple of seasons. But I think this is, you know, this is the most important year of his career by far. Uh, I think just getting his confidence back, and it seems like it's starting to come a little bit in preseason, but you can still see, you know, not as confident, still that confidence from the line is a big thing for him, which we've spoken about. My questions are, will he will he play more than 30 a night? You know, we saw him benched at numerous times last season, um, especially if they go to the hacker, whatever late. Will he get to the 30-minute mark? Um, last season, he wasn't. Will he be back on triple-double watch? Last season, 7-6-6, six, and six, 56% from the field, 439 from the free-throw line, and 1.3 steals in a career-low 42 games, obviously injured. So a lot of questions there. Will he play over 30? And can he can he get back to the Simmons of old is, is what we'll be looking out for, bro. Yeah, I mean, look, they're they're sort of in a weird spot. I mean, I think they're trying to hold on to hope to win a little bit, but you know, with him, I, I I agree with you. I think he's it's the most important you know season of his career going forward to see where he's at. Obviously, he's talented enough to really play and really and really make a make you know make a dent and and really help them. I just think he has to battle through it. It's easier said than done when you're when players are sort of not mentally strong to deal with adversity like like he's really hasn't been yet in his career. It's really hard to get that, but he's got to understand that the sky's not falling. The guy's a talented player that could really impact the game, but he has to get past those nights where it's going to be ugly shooting the ball from the free throw line. But he's got to understand if he gets through that, he's going to be fine. You know, if he can get to like 68 to 72 percent, he doesn't have to get to 90 percent from the line. But if he can get to that, like anywhere in that 70s, late 60s to early 70s, you know, with all the other things that he brings to the table, he'll be fine. He just has to battle through those dark days. And he hasn't because he never really had to deal with that before. He doesn't want to deal with that. All he has to do is get through it a little bit and then he'll be fine. So, yeah, I'm expecting some. I'm expecting him to finish the year, even though I haven't really given him much hope for that, you know, in, in past talking about him. But I think he'll finish the year this year, and I think he'll be – people will be a little bit ple- present, you know, pleasantly surprised about it. I don't think he's going to put up all-star numbers or anything, but I think he's going to be, you know – I think he's going to be a factor for them, you know, in their team structure trying to – you know, look, they got all these draft picks they got in the in, in the various deals that they made. So they're looking for the future, you know. So I think that he still could impact the game. He just has to – he's got a man up. Yep. I'll be interested to see his bounce back. Dyson Daniels, next one, solid rookie year. Um, didn't You know, wasn't a huge minute guy. Had a bit of an injury stint throughout the midseason. Um but great defender already. I think he's up there as being one of the one of the better defenders, at least in his class. His three ball is going to be, does he play more factor, in my opinion. Um, he was 3.8 points, 3.2 rebounds, 2.3 assists, 49% from the field, 31% from the three, played 17.7 minutes. He's actually played more more minutes than I thought. Um, but the three-point the three point shot for him, I think, is the outlier. If he can get that up to 34, 35, 36 region, then you can play him a whole lot more. But he, he's, a, he's a good, good defender in this league for a young guy, and I think he'll find minutes. Um, but I think that three ball is going to be, you know, what 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 gets him more minutes, pro. Yeah, I, I think that, look, I think everybody sort of liked what he brought to the table last year for sure. You know, he brought a lot of toughness, a lot of energy, um, but you got to be able to shoot the ball. Like, you know, being the, that guy that could play defense and, you know, play hard and go up and down and, and, and make some plays and be tough, that's great. But, you know, 
the only way you're going to really make it in this league is if you could shot make to a certain degree. You don't need to be a 45% three-point shooter to be on the floor, but you got to be somewhere in the mid-30s, you know, lower to mid-30s, especially if he's trying to just make a little bit of a jump into what he's doing. I, I do like him. I liked him in the draft. I like him. When I was out in L.A. last year for pre-draft, I really liked what I saw out of the kid. I thought he handled himself well. But, again, he, he he's going to need to be able to impact the game, you know, with his shot making. He really hasn't been able to do that yet. Um, but, uh, you know, I think he'll, you know, the free throw shooting has got to improve for sure. And, and, you know, get to get that into the, you know, to low to mid seventies. And then that three point shooting, just make that jump to 33, 34. Look, they've, they've got plenty of talent. They've got guys in front of them. There's not a lot of pressure for him to perform, but coming off the bench, if he can up it to like 22, 23 minutes a game, you know, and, and play behind, you know, play behind the, you know, Jones and Ingram, I think, you know. I, I think he could be pretty good. Yeah, definitely a high-energy guy. So if we find the floor, it's just a matter of how much he finds the floor throughout the season. Dante Exum, return from Europe. Um, I think his growth and poise have shown, at least with the national team, from what I've watched. I caught a couple of EuroLeague games when he was over there and different player from his first stint in the NBA. Um, not as sped up, not as panicky. It's just all kind of starting to figure things out. And I think that European stint for him has been – Immense for his basketball growth. Um, a guy that, once again, he came in the league very raw, didn't play a lot of basketball at a high level, was playing high school league in Australia. For the most part, was his most competitive basketball that, that, that season before he went to the NBA. So it was always going to take him a couple of seasons, and I think Utah probably gave up on him a little bit early. Did have some injuries. They didn't know whether he was a one or a two, but he's been good in Europe. And I'm looking forward to seeing how he goes and, and whether he can crack that rotation. Um, you know, like you said, Green's there and, and a few other guys uh, in his position that can take some minutes off each other. But I, I like I like just the way he's kind of grown as a basketball player, and I think he'll he'll just fit in um, playing off guys like Luca and and Kyrie. I think he'll he'll fit in quite nicely. Yeah, Bogues, the dangerous thing for him, and, and it, it just you go over the the past of the league and, and how the draft's gone. Those guys that are quote unquote busts. It's really hard for them to understand that, hey, look, you don't need to play to, to that standard. Uh, Neil Aquina, you know, Frank Neil Aquina deals with that issue. You know, like early in his career, the Knicks didn't didn't work, and then he bounced around Dallas. Now he's in Charlotte. He got hurt, unfortunately. But like with him, obviously there was such high expectation with Exum. This has been talked about before, no doubt about it. But like, there's a lot of competition in Dallas for minutes for you know for guards. Obviously, you know Luca and Kyrie. Then you've got you know Hardy, Seth Curry. You got Josh Green. There's going to be a lot of a lot of you know co- you know combinations they're going to try to play with. I think all he has to bring is stability. I really love the story about you know going overseas and, and rekindling his career. All he has to do is be solid. You know, make an open shot play hard defensively, get in the paint, make a play. But he doesn't really have to be that guy. And I think throughout his career in Utah and, and whatnot, that I think that there was that pressure to do that. And look, it, it, it fell short of where people thought he was going to be. But right now, especially with his European and international experience last year or two, I think that he's really made really big strides in his development, maturity, ability to just to be a pro every day. 
And I think that like he could really help them because look, Hardy's still getting better second year in the league, you know, and there's going to be some time where, you know, guys, it'll be struggling. Luke is going to sit out. Kyrie might sit out, um, you know, something like that, where there's a combination of things. Guys will be hurt, banged up, maybe back to back third game in five nights and really need, you know, they're going to ask him to play a little bit, you know, extended minutes. And look, he's, he's a vet. He's been through some things and, I think he'll be he'll be solid. He'll be a solid you know end of your rotation player for them, and I think that you know they'll they'll be happy with they what, what he brings. Yeah, Josh Green. We don't have to get into too much because we did in the uh, in the extension talk. Yeah. He's you know nine point one three and one point seven last season. Fifty three percent from the field, forty percent from three. Three and D guy. I think that we don't need to get into that too much. Very nope. similar to what we said. He'll, he'll crack the rotation depending on how his three balls falling. But it's you know him and. Him and Dante are kind of similar positions. I mean, Dante does like carrying the ball a little bit more than Josh, but they're gonna with the way the roster's constructed in Dallas, Luke and Corey are gonna have the ball ninety percent of the time. So you got to play off them, and they're both fighting for those minutes. Uh, Josh Giddy, uh, further growth with a better roster potentially. Um, I could potentially see his points per game going down and his assists maybe going up. Uh, he was sixteen point six, seven point nine rebounds, and six point two assists, and I base that just on. They they got a deeper roster now a little bit with with Chet getting healthy and whatnot and and some further growth of that roster, forty eight percent from the field thirty two percent from three in thirty one minutes per game, another guy with a three balls and outlier he's going to play thirty plus minutes no matter what, his scoring could go up with a better clip from three but look it's just not he's he's not going to be a mass three point shooter ever in his career I don't believe. Um, you know even Jason Kidd really wasn't a mass three point shooter till late in his career where he was basically the Guy that people would dare to make him, especially late in games with Dallas, hit some big threes for them. But he does so many good things well. I look for some further growth um, from him defensively. I think he's, you know, he's got enough length and size to be a better defender than he is at times. And I think that's part of learning, being young and learning the NBA game, picking your spots. So I look to see him improve on that. But um, an exciting year for for OKC as a whole and for Josh Giddy. But I think his assists have a chance to rise. Yeah, I think he's going to be, you know, I think he's going to move up the ranks, you know, at the point guard position in the NBA. I think he's somewhere that could get into the, you know, top 10. I got him at seven. Um, I really like his poise. I like the fact that he could pass the ball. Um, in my opinion, they they should put, you know, Alexander off the ball and put Giddy as their, you know, full-time point guard. Um, I think, like, I, I agree with you, Chet Holmgren is going to get a lot of a lot of play and a lot of possessions is going to find the ball in his hands, just to, just his skill set and his talent level. Uh, but I really I like what Giddy can bring. The one the one advantage that he's got over Jason Kidd, he's got Chip England as a shooting coach. You know, Jason Kidd didn't really hire a shooting coach full time in you know, if my recollection, until about halfway through his career at least. And I think that Giddy, you know, will progressively get better. I don't, I'm with you. I don't think he'll be an elite three point shooter. It just doesn't work that way. I think you're either a shooter or you're not. You could get better, you know, in, in bursts, but I think it's going to take time for him. But I really like his just, again, his size, his, his vision. He could score in the post. He could cut off the ball. Um, he, he could do a lot. The shooting's an issue. It's got to get better, you know, and, and I think that. You know, I think he just has to continue just to sort of settle into this thing. Remember, it's, you know, he's only been in the league for a little bit. He hasn't really, this is what, his third year. So he's got time. I think he's going to be very good. And hopefully a playoff push, which will 
you know, further enhance the growth of that squad and, and Josh learn how to play in a playoff series and, and what it takes to get to first round, second round, and that whole grind usually has players bounce back even better the following season. All right, Joe Ingles off an injury rehab season last season with Milwaukee. Um, didn't really play a whole lot uh, early on because of the injury. Came back around January, February-ish. Um, look, not a great World Cup campaign for him, and he'll be the first to say so. I see him bouncing back this season, just having a full off season now, or the rest of the off season now to, to get his body right before camp. You know, this this young Orlando team needs shooting. So he's going to find, you know, whether he handles the ball as much at the point forward position is yet to be seen. Can he still do that at a high clip, at a high minute rate? Who knows? But at a minimum, he's going to be a 3 and D guy, a corner, corner three guy, probably can cause some problems sometimes for them defensively guarding their second or best player second or third best player on, on the opposing teams who's got enough length and smarts. You know, obviously not the most athletic quick guy, but just knows how to play. Last season, 6.9 points, 2.8 rebounds and 3.3 assists on 43% from the field and 40 from three. And he actually played more minutes than I thought last season pro for Milwaukee towards the end of that season. It was 22.7 minutes coming off that um, mm-hmm. off that knee injury. So, yeah, I think he's got he's to try to really come out with a focus to try and – um, have a little bit of a bounce back considering the injury. You know, a lot of people kind of forgotten about Joey a little bit and then the World Cup campaign wasn't his best performance. I think he's got enough pride and, and, and motivation in him to come out and, and kickstart the year off good. Yeah, folks, you know, I expect a lot out of the Orlando Magic as a whole with him. You know, I think he could really, really help them and they could, he, they, they could benefit from him. Look, they're they're a good team. They're they're going to be a much improved team on top of what they did last year. But they're still very young. You know, Bonchero's young, Franz Wagner's young. You know, th- th- those guys are. You know, even Wendell Carter is pretty young. So they need. You know, and their backups are definitely young. So they need someone who's just going to stabilize them. That could you know play in different types of lineups. Could be tough. Could pass the ball. Could make an open shot. You know, he's going to be solid. And, and being a pro's pro and being tough, there's a lot to be said there. And I think that having him in the roster in the second unit could really help there, you know, just help stabilize some things, especially when those nights aren't going well, when you're playing a back-to-back or you're playing a really good team and those young guys are shitting their pants and they're just like, oh, fuck. You know, having a young guy, uh, an older guy that's been, that's been around, that's been through these wars and could, you know, settle you down. You know, he's not LeBron James by any stretch, but he's a guy that could really just be solid and, and, and give him that presence they need. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So we're hoping Joey has a, a good year. Jock Landale, uh, 6.6 points and four rebounds with an assist, 53% from the field and 25% from three last season. He's gone into the somewhat dumpster fire of the Houston Rockets uh, with, with everything going on there, but they'll be, they'll be a a somewhat better team, probably not wins and losses wise, but I think they'll play with, with a certain system and they'll be much more disciplined. He shot the ball well in the preseason pro. I'm uh, shooting it better from three, obviously on a small sample size, a bit more aerodynamic with the shaved head, but uh, he'll find minutes just from his effort and energy. And I'm, I'm looking to see the growth for him. Uh, much like the other guys is, is how, how his three point shot goes from what, when I've spoken to him, they've, they've encouraged him to continue to keep shooting the ball from three and they like the way he shot it in preseason and during camp. So if he can knock down one or two of those a game with, with the, with the way he runs the floor and gets some cheap buckets on rolls, you know, I can see his numbers, his numbers going up from six and 6.6 and four pro. 
Yeah, I think what Jock brings to the table for them is somebody who's really good defensively in pick and roll. Um, I think with, you know, Sengwin is, is really good, you know, obviously a post scorer, you know, somebody who's skilled, he's smart, but I think that he's a little lumbering defensively. He doesn't bring the athleticism that Jock brings, the energy Jock brings. So I think playing off each other, you know, with, with Jock being the backup to, you know, to Sengwin, I think it's good because Sengwin gives you one look, Jock gives you another you know, look, they're not going to be very good this year. They're improved, obviously, with Van Vliet, you know, Son of Van Vliet and Brooks, but they're going to need guys that solidify them in the second unit, guys that with high basketball IQs, you know, and that's what Jock brings, somebody who's solid defensively. And I think he, if he could really focus in on defending without fouling, you know, be that role threat, you know, being a short role threat that could shoot floaters, that little free throw line jumper, you know, catch it, you know, catch on a short roll, make a play for somebody else. You know, be able to make the shot consistently. I, I agree with you. The three point shot has to get better. It will get better. I, I feel as though, I, you know, watching him in the preseason, he's a little bit more comfortable when he catches the ball from the perimeter. I think they're encouraging him to shoot where they probably weren't encouraging him in Phoenix. If I had a guess, you know, they'd probably rather him roll into the rim and, and or passing the ball and setting another screen and whatnot. I think he's going to help them. Um, like I said, they're not going to be very good, but I think that he gives them a solid pro, a guy that you could, you know, you could really rely on on a daily basis. And in certain situations, you know, I would play him extended minutes over Sengun in, in some type of Sengun. I, I forgot how you pronounce the name, but like how in some situations where, you know, you'll get hurt defensively without him on the floor because I think he's just smart. So I think I, I really like his ability to be solid. Here's a guy who I didn't think he was going to make the first cut of the Olympic team, by the way, two years ago. So what the <laughs> fuck do I know? Yep. Yeah, it's coming a long way. All right, next, next yeah. one, Patty Mills, 6-1-1 uh, and one last season, 41% from the field, 36% from three. His lowest minutes in over a decade pro last season for Patty Mills, 14.2 minutes. Fell out of the rotation there pretty drastically in Brooklyn. He's now going to Atlanta. Hasn't really played a lot in the preseason. I don't like his chances of... of you know, even scraping that 14-minute mark that he got last season in Brooklyn. But look, a guy that you can have come off the bench and be a a firecracker, can really get it going, knocks down two or three quick threes, can get you back in a game. So a good bench energy guy. But it just seems like age is, is starting to catch up to Paddy like it does with all of us. He's, he's 35 years, just turned 35 not long ago. Um, you know, that that age is at the guard spot. It's it's hard to keep up with some of these young guards. And and I think it's mainly the defensive end where, where Paddy's gonna have his struggles. I think he still shoots the ball at a great clip and he'll find his spots. But on that defensive end, you know, speed has gone a little bit and defensive intensity goes a little bit as you as you get older. So be interested to see where he fits in with uh Quinn Snyder in uh in Atlanta. Yeah, I I just think he's gonna be one of those guys that are just always gonna be ready. You know, I don't think he's going to play a lot. I don't. I don't think there's going to be much of a spot for him, in my opinion, unless there's some injuries. Look, you got Trey Young and Dejounte Murray in your first unit. Then you, you you drafted a rookie point guard, Kobe Bumpkin from from Michigan, right? He's going to play. You got Bogdanovich, who's going to play a ton of minutes, who's a big part of their team. You know, so after that. I think that now you're talking about, okay, can Patty help us? Look, if Bumpkin goes down with an ankle injury, Bogdanovich has had some health issues in the past. Um, if one of your guards go down and then you, you need him, he's like one of those guys where, you, you know, you're down 19 to Phoenix and, you know, nothing's fucking working on a back-to-back or third game in five nights or 
fifth game in seven nights and you're like, all right, fucking Patty, come on, man, you know, give us something. And he's going to be ready. He's going to be one of those guys you never have to worry about. Um, age has definitely taken his toll. He's definitely diminished his skill level for sure. I mean, you know, still could be a pro, still be an NBA player, still could give you every few nights, could give you a night that he could, you know, go four for five from the field, you know, make three threes, you know, dish out a couple of assists and just play hard and be that spark plug for you. But I, I don't expect him to have a, a really big role consistently for them. Although I could see some nights where, you know, he really helps them when they need it, but I just don't think there's the minutes for him. There's just too many young players that are ahead of him in the depth chart. Especially their two two main guards. Quinn does play his starters big minutes generally. Historically, he does anyway, and you've got Young and Murray playing those positions, so not a lot of minutes left over. Matisse, Fireball, 7.3, um, 5, and 1.4. No, sorry, seven seven points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.4 assists, 1.7 steals. 43% from the field, 38.8 from three. He kind of revitalized himself after that trade uh, from Philly where he was not really playing, fell out of the rotation, went to Portland, shot the ball well, was really good for him defensively. Um, unfortunately, he's going to be playing for one of the worst teams in the league. So I see some minutes there for him, and it'll just be a matter of whether he can continue to try and get better and keep that three-point clip around where it was last season where he finished. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Matisse for sure. and. Um I think that he, you know, like you said, he's on a really bad team. I mean, it's funny they're bad, but they've got talent. You know, they've got, you know, with Simons and Henderson and, you know, DeAndre Ayton, they still got Jeremy Grant. Um, If Robert Williams is going to be healthy, they still got him. So they got some guys that are interesting. Um, Martins just has to really continue to get better just perimeter offensively. Can't be just a defensive guy, a non-scoring threat. He's going to have to be that guy that could give you like 10 to 11 points a night. I mean, he only played 17 minutes a game last year. Um, it was a little bit different for him, but I think that you know there are minutes for him now. I think they're, they're not done making moves. I think Jeremy Grant's going to be on the move, if I had to guess. They're going to put a lot of minutes into Scoot Henderson. They just drafted and Simons and Sharp. I think those guys from the wing are guys that are going to play. And don't forget, they got Malcolm Brogdon, more probably point guard, you know, combo guard deal. But I think there's still some growth in, in Dival's game that, that, that could happen. He just has to continue to get the reps and continue to get chances and continue to have a coaching staff that encourages them to do well. So, you know, um, I think he just signed a new deal last year, if I'm not mistaken, this past summer. I think he's 10 um, signed for about $32 million, if I'm not mistaken, $33 million. So, look, he'll be there, be in the league. He'll have a chance. He's a really good perimeter defender, probably good enough to be an all-defensive all team candidate if he gets enough minutes. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how he, how he continues on. And like I said, he finished Portland the season last, last year with Portland really well. So hopefully he can continue that form. Xavier Cooks, uh, 3.8 and 3.8, 60% from the field, 40% from the free throw line. Didn't really play a whole lot last season. Um, came towards the tail end of that after the Kings Championship. The big question mark for him is, will he stick on the roster? Um, that can go either way. Still some final waves to go for, for the Wizards, but on the depth chart, he's, he's stuck behind a fair bit of players. You know, Avdia, who they just signed to an extension, uh, Gallinari's in that rotation for him. Kuzma's starting at the four. Then you got Gafford at the five with Taj Gibson and Mike Muscala. He's you know, and even Patrick Baldwin Jr. is at the four above him. So not a lot of minutes there. 
roster spot's going to be the question, Pro, whether he sticks and, 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 and does not get waived in the next couple of weeks. We hope to see him there, but that's the question mark with Xavier. Definitely an uphill battle. I mean, even with a team that's not really trying to win, I mean, how old is how old is he? He's, he's 27, a little up there, right? Yeah, he's not exactly he's 27 young, or 28. Young, correct? Yeah, so, you know, he's not eligible to become a two-way, I don't think. So it's like keeping him on the roster is tough these days, especially, you know, when you have your – when you have your two-way players and your exhibit tens and things like that, you don't know, you know, you usually want to get some of the, those spots at the end of your bench for those younger guys. So it'll be interesting to see what happens um, going forward with, you know, where, where, you know, where they see him. I, it doesn't look great, you know, if I had a guess, but you never know somebody can get hurt or, you know, move them up the rotation a little bit, but I don't really have a lot of faith there. Yeah, one of those one plus one plus one plus one plus one <laughs> Spurs type deals yeah. that are all all yeah. team options. So they can wave him, and it won't really cost them too much. I know there were some other teams interested in Xavier at the time of his signing with Washington. So we'll see if that if that comes up again. But hopefully he's on the roster. And we don't have to talk about it. And as of today, Jack White and Duop Reith both wave. So where they end up, who knows? I know there's some teams in the NBL circling for a big man right now. Duop Reith would be a great candidate. I know his asking price at one point was, from from my knowledge, very, very high. So see that. And then Jack White, whether he sticks, stays in the G League and tries to work his way back in, I thought he really improved last season. He was pretty good for the national team. So we'll see where those two go, Pro. Picks for the NBA awards. We're just going to go through these. We don't need to explain them. But um, Eastern Conference champions, Pro, who do you have? I'm going to have the Boston Celtics. Yep, cosine. West? The West, I'm going to go... Again, I'm going to go with the Denver. Oh, no, I'm going to go with Phoenix Suns. I'm sorry. Damn, same. I'm Phoenix Suns. Championship. Oh, shit. I should have said Denver then. <laughs> championship. It's only one or two, pro. Who's winning the championship? With Oh, I'm sorry. Apologize. Didn't hear you on that one. I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. Championship. Same. I'm going to go with the Phoenix Suns. MVP for you. Jesus. Luka Doncic, which I think you got Luka as well. <laughs> yeah, to, Jesus got, Christ. We didn't, we didn't compare notes. Uh, most improved no. player. Surely we're different on this one. Oh, man. What do you, who do you have, Bogues? I have Anthony Simons. Um, now, he did average 21 last season, so that's what's probably going to hurt me. Usually you see guys that are averaging 9 or 10 get the MIP because they jump up to 20, but I think his usage is going to be huge on Portland, so I'm basing it on that. Okay, so I'm not a huge fan of this guy. But I think he has a chance to put up huge numbers. Uh, Yeah, huge numbers for him will be two and two. (laughs) But no, Jordan Poole. Now, I don't even know if he's eligible because he averaged 20 a game last year. But being so bad in Washington. He's going to get him up. He's got a chance to put up like 30 a game. Mm. You know. And by the way, I did have Simons. I had to change it within 2.2 seconds, so I don't want to fuck with it. Jordan Poole, I'm going to pick because okay. they're going to be so bad, Luke. It's going to be like Jordan – it's going to be like Dumb and Dumber fucking – you know, it's going to be Jordan Poole. They're going to be riding that scooter together. Fucking Jordan Poole and Kyle Kuzma. It's just – it's just they're going to be fucking attached to the hip, jacking up shots, and they're not going to win games. I, I can't see them winning. Yeah, I think they're going to be historically bad for this year, and they're not really trying to win anyway. So I'm going to go with Jordan Poole just because they're so bad. And even though he had a good playoff when they won the championship in Golden State, he didn't really have great years there where it's like, wow, like all-star level. you know. And I, don't think, I hate the all-stars, as we know, but I think he'll have a chance for that. So I'm going to say Jordan Poole. 
Okay. Interesting one. Yeah, but he's definitely going to get him up. Uh, defensive player of the year. Who do you got, Boggs? Victor. Victor. I'm going, I'm going with a flyer. Man, He he's what he does at the defensive end is insane, man. Like he's length yeah. and, and I think he's going to, they're going to play in 30 plus for a rookie. Like he's going to play a lot of minutes. So I think, you know, analytically he's going to be up there in the voting, I think. Do you think he's going to play like enough games, all that? Um, you know, you think, you think that's sure going to be good. Oh, you're going to shut him down late season. Maybe he needs 65, right? Maybe, maybe that hurts him. But I just think, you know, as a, as a rookie, you know, it's his timing. He just knows how to play. You can see he know, he's got a hot. Usually, these guys that have this kind of athleticism and length, they can get away with not having the best basketball IQ. His IQ's up there, man. I watch a few of their games, and not just all the highlight blocks you see, but just watching him spatially. Yeah. He's aware defensively. He's he's you know he's he just knows how to play. So it's a flyer. Like he's obviously not the favorite, nowhere near the favorite, but I just like, you know what? I'm going to put him out there because I think analytically the data is going to say when he's on the floor, blah, 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 you know, and I think they're going to be really good defensively with him on the floor. Folks, he's so good. I mean, I, you know, I, I had my, I had my sort of reservations about him just sort of, you know, I, I didn't go off the summer league. I could care less. Summer league's useless to me, but I, you know, watching like I, I just thought the shooting might be an issue. I thought the health and the health still could be an issue, but watching his poise on the floor, that like besides the athleticism and all the other stuff, he just seems like he's poised. He's already like a vet in some ways, and there's gonna be some ups and downs. But man, defensively he's smart, and you know some of the things that he does, and you know if he learns consistently about verticality and not getting block shots all the time and just like defending without fouling if he just watches film of fucking brook lopez over and over and over and over again how he protects the rim on top of his athletic gifts i think the i think the fucking you know sky's the limit for him i agree i i i didn't have him i had bam out of bio i think bam okay. i'm a huge bam fan it was either him or lopez I just, I just really like him. I think for them to be good, you know, especially with the what they lost in free agency, he's going to have to step his game up tremendously. Not that he hasn't already, but he's going to have to do a lot. And I think that if you know, defensively, they don't have a lot of great players defensively besides him and Butler. You know, Butler, you know, Butler guards and things, but he's going to have to really protect the rim and do some outstanding things for them to even come close to doing what they did last year. So that's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, damn. Okay, fair enough. Uh, six man, who you got? Oh, I don't know, Bogues. I'll go with Jordan Clarkson. Clarkson again. He's usually the, okay. you know, he's usually the. I'm going to go things. I'm going to go CP3 if he comes off the bench. So mm -hmm. I think CP3 will win it if he comes off the bench. If he's starting and not eligible, I'm going to go Norman Powell to Clippers. Um, I think ah, get some, yeah. some buckets off the bench. I don't think Utah will be good enough for Jordan to be in the running. Utah's gonna be You're not going to go with Kai Jones? <laughs> For who, the Mongolian Sea Dragons? <laughs> yes, the, yes, no. absolutely. No. Nope. You know, the the Guangdong the, Tigers? No, they're my, that's my uh, rookie of the year. Do we even have to talk about this one? That's pretty simple. Yeah. Victor, yeah. yeah. Um, coach of the year. Ooh, coach of the year. I'm going to go with Joey Mazzula from the Boston Celtics. Okay. So they're going to win a chip then, that means? So they're going to be, you know, well, based on our well, picks. Well, at least damn close, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go, Taylor, I'm going to go Taylor Jenkins 
because he's going to have to coach his ass off for them <laughs> with everything oh, they're man. dealing with. So I think if they can if, if they can be 500 by the time Morant comes back and actually make a push, that's an impressive yeah. coaching feat in my opinion. So I'm going to give him I'm going to give him the benefit that he's going to do it. And now with no big men, <laughs> he's up against it. So I dude, like, you yeah. got no center. Oh my god, Your you NBA got like guys no out 25 games. <laughs> Just it's like crazy. I'm saying if they're 500 and by the time Morant comes back and they make a top six playoff push, coach of the year for me. So got to go to him. Yeah, and you don't even know what Morant's going to do when he gets back. Mm. I mean, that could be worse. So, man, that's that's rough. That's rough. All right, let us know how we went on our picks. I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll get some more grief or pub or not for that. But uh, moving on to NBL stuff, let's just plug Dabble real quick, the social betting experience. We can follow anyone online uh, from your best mate to me, Andrew Bogut, or one word. Give me a follow, download Double at the App Store, copy bets, jump into the Banner channel, go backwards and forwards with some some like-minded punters or not so like-minded and tell them how you feel about their bets. Dabble socially and gamble responsibly. All right, the NBL stuff, pro. Um, the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, they're Scott Roth. I'm, I'm, I've had enough of the underdog tag for them. They are the championship ah. favorites. They are the championship favorites. I'm sick of, of all, the, all the underdog crap. They are a well-constructed roster. They're well-coached. They just... Smack Sydney on our home floor uh, yesterday. Um, but the underdog Cinderella staff needs to go out the window. They're the championship favorites. I think it's theirs to lose at the moment, the way, way they're playing. Are they picking too early? Who knows? But they're playing really good basketball. Um, they, Roth just got them them humming. You know, Sydney love to run high pace, high offense, high pace, high octane offense. They slowed us down a lot, made it, made it really grindy um, and scored the ball. Um, Crawford was huge for them. Uh, Milton Doyle was big for him again, and they just all know their roles and play well together. So I've enjoyed watching them, and I know I give Tasmanians a lot of crap on socials. It's all part of the, part of the fun, but they've been really good. Melbourne United go two and zero. They beat Illawarra and a tough New Zealand team. So New Zealand went on that that uh, NBA two game trip, and it's funny you always see these poor teams come back, and they're just they've had a long flight, and they just always end up losing a close game. New Zealand losing a close game to Melbourne, mm -hmm. probably win that if they had had a bit more rest. Adelaide gets mm -hmm. smacked by Southeast Melbourne, and then get over Perth at home. Big win for them. Perth struggling a little bit. All the uh, Red Army out there, the Feral fans out uh, out west here, and we compare them to Alabama Pro. They are they're struggling. Just kidding, Perth fans. Um, they're struggling. They're losing their minds. They're wanting the coach fire. They're wanting a new owner. They're wanting this. They're wanting that. They, they just can't fathom not being able to have a couple of seasons where they're not winning. So that's been interesting to see how they've handled that. Uh, Southeast Melbourne go 2-0 against Illawarra and Brisbane. Brisbane, I hate to say it, but they're looking like the Brisbane of old. Uh, they do not look good. It, it looks really discombobulated, albeit Aaron Baines is out for five games. But they still should look more competitive than they, than they currently do. They're, they're not looking good the last game or two. And finally, just to discuss, uh, DJ Vasiljevic um, has signed with the Adelaide 36ers Pro. So he was, you know, people that aren't aware of, of, of how this all goes down, he was contracted to the Sydney Kings um, from last season after the championship. We had, he had a year deal left after the championship run. He came to us and said, look, I want to I wanna exercise. I've got some NBA aspirations. I want to give it a try. Um if not, potentially look at Europe, and and we were like, well, we've, you're contracted with us, like, you know. <laughs> right. So ended up negotiating that. Look, we'll release you from your contract for a buyout fee, and then you can go and do whatever you want. 
if you're signing in the NBA or Europe, we're not <laughs> we're not releasing you to sign anywhere else in the NBL because mm-hmm. obviously you could go to a, a team that we're competing with through championship, New Zealand and whatever. We've got your rights here. So, yeah, no worries, does all that. Goes over to the US, um, signs an exhibit, exhibit 10 contract. Mm-hmm. Don't know if you understood the full ramifications of what that contract was, but basically the Wizards would, would, would cut you from their NBA roster and then bring you back. And then you stay on for, I think, two months and then Exhibit 10 kicks in, you get some more money. I don't know the exact nuances to that extent, but that's pretty it's, much how it goes. Yeah, the Exhibit 10 is fifty, usually 50 grand. Uh, you get 50 grand guaranteed. You get cut usually the first day of training camp or the last cut. You know, they're going to cut you. They, you know that. Um, the only reason why they do that is to get a look at you in, in training camp and then get your um, rights to their D-League team. So now their D-League has their rights. So instead of like trying to acquire players through the draft in the D-League, you know, they have their own draft and whatnot. Um, the team signs the Exhibit 10, gives you 50. You make 50 with the D-League team. If you they, It's basically a hush-hush deal that you're going to go the whole year. Then they're probably not going to cut you. So you're going to end up making 100 grand. You're going to be with the G-League team. You'd have a chance for a call-up. Call-ups, if, yeah. You know, because they see you in training camp and know you. But that's usually what a, an Exhibit 10 contract is. But anyway, that's, so that's exactly what happened. I, I'm not sure if DJ realized that. He was frustrated by being cut. Um, which was always going to happen, so I'm not sure what his agent was doing. Got on a plane the next day, you know, flew back to Australia. I spoke to some some people with the Wizards, and they were they were not too happy about it. Uh, pro, they were they were pretty disappointed with just basically getting a message saying I'm, I'm out. And they're like, "Well, it was Exhibit Ten deal? Did your agent not tell you this is how it goes?" I think DJ really thought that he had a chance for that roster spot on the Wizards, which is sad. Um, but I'm I'm just assuming the agent didn't relay it properly. Anyway. Yeah. You fast forward um, mid last week, we get a or two weeks ago actually, um, we get a the Kings get a message from DJ and his representatives that hey DJ wants to come back to the NBL. So we're like, oh okay, well we have we technically have his rights if he comes back to the NBL because that contract that he signed and we released him from the way it works is we have we can bring him in for that contract first right of refusal right. Mm-hmm. We had heard he already flew in Adelaide and was already working out there. So we get a call saying, hey, you need to decide whether you want to keep him on that deal. And we're like, whoa, 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 like you've just let us know. It was like a Wednesday um, and he wanted to play on that weekend. And we're like, well, we, can, we can't just give you a decision overnight. If we bring you in, we've got cap ramifications. We have to cut someone. We're three and one right now. We're doing well. So we we had a call scheduled for that following Monday with the ownership group. And you know, people were like, well, why couldn't you release him straight away? Well, we couldn't do it that quickly. But the reason why I'm discussing this, that's how it went down. I know DJ was a little frustrated with the process because he wanted to play that weekend. We ended up releasing him, I think, on the Tuesday. But the reason why I bring this up is this is this is a potential loophole, bro, that other teams could engage in potentially. Um, doesn't happen a lot, but there's nothing to stop a team, you know, uh, we see a, team, a player we like on Team X, off season's coming, we say, hey, get out of your contract and say you want to go to summer league or Europe. You don't want to play in the NBL anymore. You want to release. You'll pay twenty grand buyout, whatever it is. We'll we'll fix you up for that twenty grand down the line, whatever it is. And then you're you know come back two weeks, three weeks into the NBL season. Once your your team already has their roster set, they probably won't be able to sign you. So, you know, the issue in Australia is there's a restraint of trade where. 
you know, in the NBA, it'd just be a holdout, right? Like even in Europe, they'd just be like, well, we've got your rights. We're not, you got to come play with us or blah, 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 blah. In Australia, you can't, we, we can't hold out. And we were kind of disadvantaged to an extent because we'd never lost a spot. And, you know, we weren't waiting for DJ to come back because we knew we believed that he was going to stay over in the NBA. So just a little loophole in the NBL that I'm not sure how you fix it or you clean it up, but it could be, it could be uh, used by some some nasty teams in the future. And even I think CJ Bruden, the head coach of uh, this is a good one, probably like this, the head coach of the Adelaide 36ers, back in his playing days, mm-hmm. he can't remember what team he was with. It might have been Brisbane, but he said, "Hey, can you guys release me from my contract? I want to go and sign overseas." And the NBL team was like, "Well, yeah, you know, so you're not staying in Australia." And he's like, "No, no, I want to go sign overseas." They agreed to it, and he signed with the New Zealand Breakers. <laughs> so it's technically it's technically overseas, um, but it's, awesome. in the, it's in the same. It was great. It was awesome. Uh, it, was, it went something like that. I, history, I mean, history rings true, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was something along those lines. It was really controversial at the time. Maybe it was the Kings. I'm not sure who he was with, but it was hilarious because I was laughing my ass off. Technically, he didn't lie. <laughs> he said he's signing overseas, but. I just hope the NBL and the Players Association figure out that hopefully, and I'm not DJ didn't use this as a loophole. He he genuinely yeah. went over there for the right reasons and, and whatnot. But my point is, in the future, pro someone could potentially use this in the wrong way and and then side negotiate a deal and just say we'll pay a buyout, just do it, and then we'll we'll bring you back three weeks in the season. What I would do, Bogues, on that, and again, I don't know how you could word these contracts and, and whatnot. If you're going to do a buyout. I would do the buyout in condition if you're going to go to, say, the G League to do that, you know, to do the Exhibit 10 or whatnot. Say, okay, we'll let you out, but you can't go come back to the – you can't come back to the NBL for 12 months. Mm-hmm. You know, you, well, like, it becomes a restraint of trade with our, with our actual employment law in Australia. That's where it's a problem outside of yeah. – that's a problem in Australia. You know, the NBA has a CBA – and we have a CBA as well, but there's going to be these smart-ass lawyers that try to circumnavigate your CBA and argue in court, well, what's is your CBA exempt from state and federal law? Whereas in the NBA, it's like, well, you get paid a million, millions of dollars, you don't have to sign the contract. should be the same thing here, even though the money's smaller, but that's that's right. what the NBA is afraid of and, and clubs are. Like, you could just have some smart-ass lawyers saying, well, my client's got a job ready to go. You don't want to bring him in. You can't ban him for 12 months for your country because circumstances have brought him back. That's the issue. Right. And, and again, I, I'm not a lawyer, not, not not anything close to it. But what I would say is like, look, he's got a perfectly good job here. He's choosing to leave. You know, it's sort of like- yeah, exactly. 100%. Sort of like I totally old, agree. You've made that decision. Yeah. We contracted you. We Look, we built our roster thinking that you were, you were on our books. Like, so yeah. you got to take that into fact that the club is actually affected and we're not crying like we're, you know, poor us. But the reality is when you construct a roster of players as valuable as DJ, you know, yeah. one of the best Australian shooters you can get in the NBL, you construct your roster accordingly. So now all of a sudden take that piece out. We're like, oh shit, maybe we wouldn't assign that guy for that much now. Maybe we wouldn't assign a, a guy that's a really good defender that can, you know, like all that kind of stuff. And it's kind of a domino right. effect. But I agree with you. If you if you say, hey, I'm, I'm going overseas, I want out, and you know, you're not playing in the NBL that next season, no problem. Go for it. But the fact that he come back, had no other mm-hmm. options, and we weren't going to hold out like and say, oh, we'll try to fight you and say you shouldn't play this, that. We're like, you know, we don't have a roster spot for you. We don't want to waive anyone. You're free to if go. Folks, but- I'm, I'm sorry. I lost you in the beginning of the story. 
Was he yours originally, or was he with somebody else originally before he did the Exhibit 10? No, he was ours. He was ours. So after the year we with won the yours, championship, okay. I won our second championship, he came to us and said, hey, I want out of my contract to go and explore NBA slash Europe. And we said, at first we're like, well, okay, how's that going to work? That you know, We negotiated that there's going to be a buyout pay to get out of his contract. And then he'd go overseas, you know, saying, we basically said what you said, you can't, you know, no, it's not an NBL out, it's a Europe slash NBA out. And, mm-hmm. and then he'd come back to NBL. And, and even though we specifically said, you know, you like, can't go to another NBL team, we still can't stop it. So then we come back and then they've said, hey, that contract you had him on for a couple hundred thousand, whatever it is, you can still have him for that. But our roster's full. Like, <laughs> we have to cut guys yeah. and we're winning, right? Like, so it's like, if we bring you in, our cap's going to go even further over. We're going to be in the tax. So there's a lot of ramifications. It wasn't as easy as, oh, yeah, DJ's back. He was a championship winner. Let's just bring him back at all costs. We, we yeah. already built our roster thinking that he was gone. Now, if we knew that that was going to happen, we maybe keep a roster spot, keep some funds on the side and make sure we got money to cover it and keep us under the cap. But it just, it just, a, my point is the loophole thing. I think that teams can look at this and potentially do some, sh- some shady business behind closed doors. You just want to make sure that the NBLs across that and, and the player association, um, which, and, you know, you, you don't want that to happen. He's got to handle, he, he's got to handle himself better too, as a pro. Like it just seems like not just the Sydney Kings thing, but like when he just let, you know, uh, you know, he wanted out, look, Chasing an NBA dream, I get it. Um, wasn't informed about what the Exhibit 10 really was. And then he leaves the Wizards deal and just says, I'm gone. You know, didn't handle that well. Like, there's a professionalism deal here, too. Like, you got to treat people more professionally, keep them in the loop of what you're doing, communicate with them. You can't just have what you want all the time and just be able to get out of your deal. Sometimes you're lucky enough to, our team will let you out of a deal, but like, just leaving a situation and then working out with another team before the whole deal was settled with you guys when he came back. You know, look, there's a professionalism aspect to being a, prof- you know, a guy that gets paid to play basketball or do anything else. You got to handle yourself with some class. And I mean, without knowing the situation, just from the story that you told, it just seems like, you know, he, he didn't do that in the last couple of times, the last couple of teams that he, with, that he was with, you know? Yeah, and especially in the NBA, it's going to be very hard for him to get his foot back in if yeah. he does want to go back to in the future because it's going to be through that route. It's going to be summer league slash camp invite slash G League. A team's going to be like, hey, this is a guy that just, you know, left. And, you know, I think his agent's got a lot to blame for it. Um, mm-hmm. But that's just a that's just a backstory for all the fans that uh, the whole process of how this all worked out and went and and, and it was a horrible situation for both sides because we're we're trying to figure out whether we have room what, what can we do and then we're like you know we're going to keep our roster and then DJ's saying oh, I want to play this weekend and we're like well it's not our we we can't rush this process for you to play in Adelaide like and ended up getting done that following week and he's playing and he's playing pretty decent he's getting them up there in Adelaide and um, just just one of those things that. Is, is the bad side of business. Fact or fake news, what do you got this week? I got one. I got one, Boats. Beautiful. Will Josh Giddy? will somebody dethrone Josh Giddy this year and the Aussie player of the week? No. Fake news. No one. No one's dethroning Josh Giddy. Um, I think his numbers are, are just, you know, he's, he's almost a, no, he's not a triple-double, but he's- Just one time. One time. Oh, no, he got dethroned one time. We gave, uh, it might have been a sympathy dethroning, but uh, J- Josh yeah. Green got him one week, I think, um, when he had that week where he was sh- shooting the shit out of the ball from three. I think Ben Simmons is your best chance of dethroning him for a week or two. Yes. 
out of everyone on this roster. Um, okay, so outside of the tanking, the tanking March fifteenth on to the end of the regular season. From now until March fifteenth, will there be uh, Josh Giddy will run through like a hot knife through butter the whole Aussie Player of the Week um, Rogue Bogues Award? Will, will he? News, will he I'm going to give. Ben, I'm going to give Ben Simmons a benefit. He's going to get it one week. Ben Simmons surely he's going to get one week for us. He's healthy and he might have a week where he's you know ten, ten, nine, and eight, or ten, ten, and ten. You know, it has a triple double week in two or three games. So I think Ben's Ben. I got faith in you, man. Come on, um, but I think he's the best bet. He's the best bet. There might be an outlier. Joey might have a. I just don't see Joey or you know having three or four games in a week at a high clip. Right. Yeah. I think Joey can definitely have a twenty point twenty point game with ten assists every now and then, yeah. but just consistently over a week, probably not. Josh Green, same thing. He might have a hot week, but. Uh, I think Ben Simmons is the best bet to do. I'm going to go fake news. Josh Giddy's not going to run run the field this season. I go fake news too. I think Ben's going to win it at least once. I think Beautiful. I think he's going to get into a groove. So that's where I see it. In Ben, we trust. All right, pro. Thank you. Yeah. Another week in the books. Uh, we'll see you all next week and let us know on our crazy picks for all the awards and teams and give us some shit on socials. And we'll, I'm sure Mystic Mike will come up with some new stuff next week. Hopefully, he does, man. Hopefully. And you know what? There's not enough shit talking. Last year, it seemed like there's a lot more shit talking on social media. You know, you know me, I answer everything. So, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for somebody to, it's getting there. to get a little it's creative. Getting there. Yeah. I, I'm definitely yeah. seeing it. I comment on, you got to get on the Instagram. The Instagram's starting to pop off a little bit um, more than Twitter now. So that, that's where all the comments I'll start are. I'll do that. Because I can see your beautiful face as you're talking shit. Yeah, hopefully not, man. I'm like fucking Medusa. So hopefully. Till next week. See you, man. See you guys.